Welcome to the ACOFPDO.FM podcast, Women in Leadership Series, a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. Hello and welcome to the ACOFPDO.FM podcast, Women in Leadership Series. I'm Nicole Bixler, the ACOFP president. I'd like to introduce Dr. Dixie Tuke-Rollins, and we will be having our conversation with her today. And I'm gonna start off by just letting her introduce herself in the capacity of what she's doing at this point in her career and her osteopathic training up until that point. So hi, Dixie, nice to have you with us and thank you. Thank you for having us. So uh, uh, my role currently is uh, serving as president and provost for the uh, Edward Vi Virginia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And that's over our four campuses. We have a campus at Virginia Tech, at Auburn University, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and at University of Louisiana Monroe. That's fantastic. So I think that pretty much goes right into what my first question was for you today. And what makes your professional role right now unique to other osteopathic family physicians, and maybe even more specifically, female osteopathic family physicians? Well, I would say, you know, that my role right now, the uniqueness is certainly in the leadership role uh, and the opportunities I've had in, in leadership. I would say that life's sort of a journey as an osteopathic physician. So, you, you know, I certainly start new practice in family medicine and emergency medicine. And um, the first education job I had was as a residency director and then after a few years as a director of medical education, then became an associate dean for clinical affairs. So it was an evolving uh, role in academics. And uh, I would say the veering more and more toward academics over the years is, is a more uh, unique pathway. However, I think the opportunities have presented and um, I've been very fortunate uh, in that manner. And I think that that has been somewhat, uh, in my opinion, has been a good thing to be an osteopathic physician because I believe that for women, osteopathic medicine has always been a little bit more accepting for a leadership pathway. And um, then perhaps uh, our counterparts in medicine. And, and I, I've really felt welcomed by the profession throughout that process of, of achievement. So. That's fantastic. Do you know, uh, Dr. Tuck Rollins, are, how many other women serve in a similar capacity as you do at, at this point, as being a president and provost of a college, not to mention one that has four campuses? <laughs> I think there are maybe four or five of, of uh, women who are in the president and provost uh, role, but that varies in not just being an osteopathic physician, but some as other roles in education, like a PhD or, a, or similar. I think that there are now a lot of deans in osteopathic medicine. I can remember a time when it was just Sylvia and I <laughs> and uh, uh, as, as deans, and then for a while, Karen came on as a, as a dean as well. And 
And so I can remember for several years, there would be just three or four of us at the table that were female deans. But now when I look around the table, it, you know, it's, it's close to 50% at least that are now uh, uh, deans that are women as well. And so I, I do think that women have assumed more and more leadership roles uh, since I first started <laughs> in this path, especially over the last 20 years, I would say. I think that we're good at mentoring each other in, in that role and, um, and in respecting the other uh, female leaders. And I, I've really enjoyed being able to, if I can, for lack of a better term, bounce ideas off of my female counterparts. I, I don't really hesitate to call Sylvia Ferretti to ask her opinion on something or Barbara Osley, or people have gone before me that I think have already experienced some of the things that, you know, that I face at times. And um, they've always been more than helpful. Well, that's great to hear as myself being someone who's newer at this leadership thing at this, this level, but really having, so to speak, that quote unquote, there is a girls club out there for you to kind of uh, uh, bounce <laughs> ideas off. So that's great. And um, obviously you mentioned Dr. Sylvia Ferretti, Dr. Karen Nichols, Dr. Barbara Rossley, a lot of great iconic leaders in our profession like yourself. So I think you've already touched on it, but sort of the second question I had prepared for you was basically how have you seen the role of women in medicine change throughout your career? And I think you've already alluded to that on possibly the academic side, and that's what you're most familiar with. Do you see anything else overall in the, the greater aspect of women in medicine that's changed? Well, a lot has changed uh, since I started. There were only like 12, or actually 12 women in my class out of 125, and, and I'm not all graduated. And I, I think that there are certainly, as we see more women entering medicine, then we see more women assuming leadership roles as well. I certainly have in my practice time all the recollection of the first female president of ACFB and the first female president of the AOA. So um, a lot has changed. <laughs> and maybe, maybe it's a little hard to squeeze that into a, to a conversation over the years, but I, I do think that opportunity is the biggest thing that's changed. And, and I don't think that there are things that have to be barriers for women anymore. I believe the opportunities are there. And if you're not achieving those opportunities, you know, choose a mentor, someone who has, you know, succeeded in obtaining a leadership role and, and, and just ask them about things that you can do, perhaps uh, to pursue whichever type of leadership role it is that you're pursuing. I know that there are many many out there. Now, for example, it would probably not be a good idea to ask me about a leadership role in the more like the professional role like that you hold as an example, because I've not held those types of roles. I've always tried to be a good committee member and, but, but my goals were always academic in, in nature. And so I probably wouldn't be, but, but I think if you're somebody seeking a role, you know, choose one of those people that you see that's in those roles, because I, I don't know that I've met any women who would not be more than willing to help someone coming up through this. Yes. Well, I agree with you that I, I've been uh, fortunate on that end. Uh, there's been no lack of those who've come before me who have been more than willing to 
offer advice and mentorship. So uh, on the receiving end, it's great that we don't have nearly the amount of barriers that I didn't have only 12 people in my class. I was almost, I think I was, I was still a little bit back. So I think I, my class was about 40%. And obviously as being a, a president, you know, now we're at about 50-50. So it's just amazing how the, the changes have occurred. So. so going more into leadership, maybe for yourself or what you would be looking for, for those that you either use as staff, other leaders in your, your schools, deans, what do you look for as the, the best qualities that are essential to be a really good leader? Well, I certainly think the first one is being a good listener. I think that um, being open to listen to other people's ideas besides just your own, I, you learn from everyone. And I think being a good listener will make you a more adept leader in the fact that you have a broader opinion and recognize that the way that you do it is not certainly the only way something can be done. And, and being open to what are all, all the different successful ways that something can be accomplished. That would, be, that would probably be the first one. The second is that not really being afraid to put yourself out there. Every time you put yourself out there, it's not always, <laughs> it's not ever easy, but, and, it, and it's not always going to end up in success. But if you put yourself out there and one doesn't, don't be afraid to put yourself out there again. I think that's a, that's a very important learning process in itself. I also think that understanding certainly like your practice life and, and your professional life are a journey and you're gonna make mistakes along the way. And uh, those mistakes are always recoverable if you, know, if you certainly listen well, have an open mind, and take your feedback in a, in a positive manner. I believe those are the most important things to be successful, is simply uh, being open to all those. I, I would have to agree, and I, I agree with you certainly that communication is probably the crux of everything, in not only leadership, but life in general. I think we can see that in our day-to-day -day lives and just about everything we do, sometimes it's the communication breakdown that impedes process and impedes success. So that's very good advice. Has there been anything, uh, obviously since we're here with ACOFP, has there been anything during your career? And as you mentioned, you've been a great committee member on ACOFP committees. You've done a lot of great work with the AOA and the, um, the foundation for the AOA. What have you seen as the value of being a member of ACOFP to you and to your career? This one's really easy to me. ACOFP is my family. I don't know how else to say that. It's my family base for my profession. And, and I can't imagine not being a member of ACOFP. Uh, ACOFP, I, I joined ACOFP as a student and, and have been an active member uh, ever since. And you know, I went to the meetings when everybody had the green jackets. <laughs> they didn't. We, they didn't have them for us as females back then. <laughs> but I, if you have to maybe be around to understand that comment, but uh, uh, there was a time when, if you were an ACOFP, you wore a green jacket. If you had certain girls, it was just a uh, a tradition many many years ago. But anyway, the. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> 
But I, I would tell you that I knew from the first time I went to the first ASOP meeting that that was truly my home, that these were people I really had something in common with. And, and uh, we, had this, we had similar goals and it's just a very welcoming, supportive organization. And, and I believe that you need, you know, you need the support of your colleagues to help stand you up. And especially if you're looking in a leadership role. And I've always found that through ACOFP. So I, like I said, I can't imagine not being a member. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, of course. Uh, <laughs> likewise, I've been a member since I was a student. And I know when I'm now talking to students and hopefully future members, I, I sort of put it that simply myself, like how could you not be a member of your home professional organization? I mean, it's everything that you train for and everything you identify with. So the common ground, and I think you hit it on the head, the family, uh, there's no other place I ever go in all the other things I've done statewide, other organizations that ever feels as good as getting together at an ACOFP event, which hopefully we will all get together again in person again someday soon. But I did not know about the green jackets. I, I never, I know, I've never, oh my. I've never heard that before. So that's oh, interesting. Really? No, no. See? Okay, well, you're going to have to ask the, the president that just left. <laughs> I will. I will definitely do that. I'm going to have to search some old pictures or something too. So that's good. So, well, that that's wonderful. And I think that's what makes these so beneficial because like with everything, there's always a history of where everybody gets to a certain place. And obviously you, you have great background. And so when we're advising women who are coming up in their career in medicine, You've already alluded to it a couple different ways, but what other advice would you have for female physicians who are just starting their careers in medicine, either about being a leader or just about their career in general, even if leadership's not necessarily their path? Well, first of all, I, I think we all become physicians to be a physician, you know, to, to help others, to reach out and, and help patients. And, um, and, and I think you need a number of practice years to really understand medicine and understand different roles and the needs of patients and to be able to come back and focus on, on those types of things, whether you're going into education or leadership in the more political realm. But I would say really put your time in on practice and helping patients and serving patients so you're oriented to really what medicine is truly about. And from that stepping stone, you will find the things that make you happy, whether it's education or whether it's leadership in the organization, those things will be driven out of the practice of medicine originally. And, and I, 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 so I, my advice would be that, you know, to really start your career with understanding the practice of family medicine, understanding what it is that patients need and, what you have to offer as an osteopathic physician, what's different, what, you know, what are the great things about osteopathic training? And, and I think if, if you start with that really solid base that you're gonna be successful, whichever path you choose, and then it'll be much easier for you to choose by what makes you happy along the way as well. That's wonderful advice. And by how you answered that, something came to my mind and I just, off the cuff, I'm gonna 
come up with this question. So when you were one of those 12 women in your class of 140 plus students, and you were graduating medical school, did you ever envision fast forwarding that you would be serving as a president and provost of a college of osteopathic medicine? And if that wasn't your very initial goal, when in your path did you kind of really go completely over to the academic train that you took up to the top here still? Well, you know, I practiced my, my th first 13, 14 years doing rural family medicine and emergency medicine because we didn't have many emergency medicine physicians back then. I'm really mm -hmm. dating myself by, <laughs> by giving these answers. But, but if you worked in family medicine and you were on that hospital staff and you know you ended up doing emergency medicine too, either part-time or full-time. So I, I did a lot of family medicine when we did everything from working in the emergency room to delivering, you know, doing deliveries to assisting on all of our own surgeries. It was, it was, a, it was a great time. So uh, I have no remorse about any of those. That was a really wonderful, interesting part of my career. And, and so my first academic role was, and, and I almost didn't take it, was when I was asked to be a family medicine residency director. And I'll take that back. I did do some in-class teaching for the school, but I hadn't been a a residency director or anything ever. And, and so my first real role in, in, in leadership was as a family medicine residency director. And, you know, I, I can say that I wasn't 100% prepared for that role and, and found that when I got into it, I had to prepare really quickly <laughs> for that role. But it was through that that I found that I really loved being back in the academic side of things as well. And, and, and the study balance with with the practice, you know, that you were balancing that with. And I really certainly loved helping other people come along the way, the residents and later the students. It's given more back to me than I've certainly given to the professions. Well, I think that's a really uh, great way to end it. That couldn't end on a better, better quote there for the end. So, well, I personally thank you for all that you've done and what you serve for your students and other, not only female physicians, just osteopathic family physicians as a whole. Uh, you are definitely a, a phenomenal leader in our profession. And I thank you for the time you've taken today to uh, have this conversation with me. And we look forward to many great things yet to come. So thank you once again. Thank you, Nicole, and congratulations on your role. Thank you, appreciate that. The ACOFPDO.FM podcast, Women in Leadership series, is a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. To learn more about ACOFP, please visit www.acofp.org. Interested in learning more about the ACOFP Education and Research Foundation's initiatives and ways you can support the future of the osteopathic profession? Visit www.acofpfoundation.org or email foundation at acofp.org.